Lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. Thanks for joining us today. I've got a really interesting guest today, Jerome Myers, and he has a lot to talk about. He has transformed himself and has ideas on how we can all transform ourselves. He's an award-winning engineer turned business strategist, and Jerome uses his rich experience and innate understanding of human emotions to ensure that your journey from the corporate world to entrepreneurship is a fulfilling one. He has a program that he has created himself, and it's a transformative program, the NEO Navigator. And it maps out the eight key exits from a founder might encounter when you're trying to leave that corporate role and you're trying to become a cheap everything officer. And we've all, if we own a business, we've all been there and done that. That will help you transition into roles of thought leadership and board chairmanship. He provides strategic guidance for each stage, accumulating in successful business exits and the creation of a diverse process investment portfolio. His ultimate goal is to help founders contribute to the causes they hold dear and leave a lasting legacy. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jerome. Lee, it's awesome. Thank you for the opportunity to come share with your listeners today. Yeah, so, I mean, there's so many. We've been in such a state of transition for the last few years. And sometimes I work with a lot of clients at the Brain Performance Center with anxiety or depression. And, you know, I hear the, the statement, I don't know where I'm coming or going. I hear that a lot. <laughs> and a lot yeah, of times, I, yeah, I think they want to be going, but they're not sure how. <laughs> so what? where do you start when you're facing that? You think you're ready to exit a scenario. Yeah, I think many people are asking what now. And so we, we coined a phrase called exiting the excellence. And, you know, each exit is the beginning of something new. And I think a lot of people get anxiety about, well, I'm leaving this behind. You think, well, moving, leaving home and going to college or going to work or wherever you transition to once you left home for the first time, it's like, ooh, this is what was familiar. This is what I knew. And all this other stuff out here is scary. It's uncomfortable. It's different. And instead of thinking, ooh, I've been through these things, they've given me unique experiences that allow me to be prepared for the next thing that is to come for me, uh, they sit in that fear. And so what the first thing we do is just really encourage people to understand the experiences that they've been through and how they serve them so that they can use that in service of others in their next opportunity. Well, I love the fact that you mentioned that fear because fear is, it's a normal emotion. And we're, you know, we grow up with it. We're taught to be afraid of things. Don't cross the street. Don't get out in the street. You can get hit by a car. So it's been, we're taught it to a certain degree. And then when we decide that we want to live without it and that we want to manage it and not have it manage us, we really have to take hold of our emotions. And with, is that a part of getting that emotional, what I call regulation intact? Is that a part of what you do before you help someone exit? Yeah. So our model 
for exiting has there's eight exits that a founder can go through but in each exit they move through six levels and we call that model a model for centered life it's also known as the red pill and the foundational level of that model is self-image and so much of that fear is based on programming that we have in the way that we define ourselves and often we're seeking certainty and so we have fear when we're stepping into the unknown and the comfort with uncertainty and I guess kind of triggering the excitement because you can't have excitement with certainty uh, because there is no anticipation for because you know what exactly is going to happen. It's something that we help people um, shore up and get more ex more engaged with the experience. I, I watch a lot of people, Lee, who who numb the downside and they I don't think they realize that they're numbing the upside because they're trying to stay regulated they want to stay in the middle and those highs and lows those peaks and valleys are the things that actually make those memorable events that are the change points in our life and so we encourage folks one be confident in what you've done so far and make sure that you anchor against those things so that they serve you into the next phase or the next step well, and that's good advice. I mean, take start with a positive spot, not with a negative. You know, take that and create positivity around what you've done. And it, it almost makes sense to what makes you the happiest about what you've done. What mm -hmm. gives you pride? What puts a big on smile on your face when you reflect back on? Take that and move forward. Is there a certain amount of time that you suggest people take to transition is there a particular point on the timeline of their life that you feel it's the right time? Because honestly, I always struggle. I can't identify the right time. There's never the perfect time. No, there, it's almost like getting married or having a baby. There's always a reason not to. And so a lot of people stay stuck in that. And part of it is, well, there's going to be some discomfort. The other piece of it is, well, I'm really good at this thing that I'm doing. I already know what I'm doing. And a lot of times we feel like we should not uh, go back to a place of not being the best or great at what we're doing. As far as identifying a time or a point where we should begin making a transition, I would say that it goes to where your interest starts to wane. When people are no longer interested in what they're doing, it is a dead signal for us that you need to figure out if you can adjust that thing so that it becomes interesting again, or you need to start exploring what the new thing is for you to be working on or towards. Well, that's a, that's a good point to start. And I think that there's a lot of times, particularly if you've if you don't have to be leaving the corporate world, but let's say you've built a business, you spent the last 20 years building that business and all of a sudden you decide you know what i don't want to work in the business i want to work on the business i want to work at a different level is that a different type of exit so though what you just described is actually exits three and four in our framework so exit one for most people is leaving being an employee. For a lot of people, that's corporate America. The next exit is going from being chief everything officer to a manager of 
production workers who are doing the things to actually deliver whatever the product or service is. The next level after that is going from that production manager to more of a thought leadership role. And in that space, you start working on the business because you're speaking to other folks in industry about how things are getting done and why they're getting done and hoping to make some impact not just in your organization, but outside the organization. And then the level after that, you'll end up, when you're in that thought leadership space, having multiple lines of business. And so you want to input or put somebody in to run the day-to-day. And that would be kind of like having a chief operations officer. And so that would allow you to truly step into that role of being the CEO where you're more strategic. And so we call that CEO 2.0, right? First CEO is chief everything officer. CEO 2.0 is truly a chief executive officer where you have people running the day-to-day and you're being strategic. And that allows you to work on the business instead of in the business. The exit that follows that one is the one that gets really interesting from my perspective. And that's when you actually leave the operations of the business altogether and become chairman of the board. And this allows you to kind of disconnect from that enterprise and do something outside of what you may have dedicated 10, 15, some people 40 years to, uh, and allows you to kind of broaden your horizons and explore alternatives. Well, it's interesting because that's kind of the way it rolls in the corporate world. Mm-hmm. Is that's the exit as you leave that, and you know you become on the board. So that's that's an interesting transition. What do you find people? Where's the most confusion? If there are people, our listeners are out there, and they're thinking, you know, maybe, maybe I should be thinking about a change. What advice would you give them? How do they get clarity? Yeah, I think the one thing that people are most confused about is I've got to be the one, I've got to be the most valuable employee at my company if I'm the person that makes the most money from the business. It's our perspective that the more valuable you are to the business, the less valuable the business is, especially if you're the founder. So the goal is to make it so that the company can live without you as soon as possible. And the quicker you can do that, the quicker the business can grow and scale, and you can potentially extract the equity in that business in what we call exit six, which is the the ultimate exit where you get the big payday and you sell the business to somebody else to continue the mission. Uh, I, I think a lot of people don't ever think about the fact that like all relationships, your relationship with your business will end one day. And so, How do you want it to end? Do you want it to end with the doors closing because you're no longer there doing the work? Or do you want it to end with you selling it to somebody else? Do you want it to end with you passing it down to uh, children or somebody else that you have fond feelings of? Thinking about and orchestrating what that looks like and having a plan to move to that is the most important thing that a founder can do. Do you find that most people know the answer to that question? Most people don't ever think about it. They're so caught up in the minutia and the whirlwind of the day-to-day that they don't even begin to think about how they can, one, extract themselves for the business so that it runs by itself, and then, two, how they can transition the ownership and get, uh, again, the big payday that um, most people work their whole life for, hoping for a, big, a nice retirement. 
Well, you know, it's really hard to to take that step aside and be able to view the situation without the emotion, without the baggage, for lack of a better word. But, you know, it's tough. I mean, I started my business in 2009, and there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in there. And so it's hard to step aside and say, okay, you know, I'm ready. This is how it's going to go. And I mean, I went through some, some challenges, but for our listeners, is there a checklist? Is there, um, is there something that, you know, if you just remember these three things, when you start asking yourself, am I ready? Is it time? What would those three things be? So we, we help people answer three questions. The first one is, Um, we want them to be able to answer what was it all for? And that gives them clarity around the significance of all the work that they've done up until this point. It culminates in this. I am proud of this. This is significant because of this. The next question is that they ask inherently is, is this really it? And so they, they answer that question. They're like, man, I did all of that work. The blood, sweat, tears, as you mentioned, Um, You know, I basically raised another kid, some people describe it as, and then they're like, man, this just, is this really it? And when they answer that question, they're looking for not the sad feelings, but what would make them feel more fulfilled? Like what's missing from this moment? And when they can see that, then it helps inform the next question, the answers to the next question, which is, well, what now? So these are the things that we're missing on the backside of this huge achievement. What do we do next in order to make sure that when we hit the next peak of our second mountain or our next mountain, that we don't have these feelings of um, questioning whether or not the sacrifices were worth it? Well, what if the sacrifices weren't worth it? Unfortunately, about 75% of people who exit regret exiting. And a lot of it is maybe because things didn't go the way that they wanted them to. Um, And sometimes it's because uh, they um, were expecting the result to be different than what it was. What, What I would say for those folks is there isn't any work that you can do that doesn't work. Now, whether it works on the business or the client or it works on you is something that's going to have to be evaluated. But they should smile because they achieved something that so few people achieve when they got to whatever level they got to. And each level, right, each exit that you go through, there's a smaller and smaller group of people who have actually been able to achieve that. And so if it wasn't worth it, it's okay. There's still time on the clock. You can get back in the game and pursue something else. The only time that I really hear somebody say it wasn't worth it though, is when the only reason why they were doing what they were doing was the pursuit of financial freedom. I think people find out, and it all it, it varies on the journey. I can't even give a specific time when people find out. They find out that the financial freedom that we're all taught to chase, that is kind of interwoven into the American dream is the wrong F. The F that we should be chasing is fulfillment. 
And that fulfillment usually comes from service of others and allows us to create a legacy. And so when they get done with the first thing, finding that financial freedom, because I think everybody out there who hasn't achieved financial freedom or financial independence wants to get there to tell me I'm wrong. So once they get there and they find out that this crazy guy on the radio is telling them something that might actually be true, then they're going to turn and pivot and try to figure out how they can impact the world in a very meaningful way. And that in and of itself, that pursuit, that journey is something that I've never heard anybody say it wasn't worth it. Well, that's a really good point. And let's talk more about that because we all have our, we have our own dreams, fantasies, whatever you want to call them, but there's something that we think if we did it, it would be, it would be the best. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So the thing that we ask people to do when they're moving into exit A, this is the kind of the philanthropic piece of the journey is what is a problem on the face of the planet that you don't ever want anybody else to experience? And usually they'll say, Oh, I can't think of anything in the beginning. And then after doing some of our exercises, they find out pretty quickly that they're pretty passionate about at least a handful of things. And then from there, we ask them, well, which one do you want to eradicate? Because I think all heroes, and I think every founder is a hero at some point, all heroes need a villain. They need an adversary to conquer. And this problem ends up being that mission, that pursuit for them to move to the next level of being a hero. I used to play video games when I was small, and there was always a bigger and badder boss each level that I got to. And I think that's what we need as founders on the backside of uh, finding financial freedom. We need a bigger and badder boss, and one that you know maybe we don't get a big bag of gold for, um, but what we may get is a lot of people saying thank you. A lot of people saying, oh, you changed my life. Or there's other people out there saying, I don't know if I could have done that without you. And I think those things matter more once we are in a place of financial security than the actual money. Absolutely. And when you can look in the mirror and and think about what you've given to others or what you've helped others to achieve, there's not much that feels better than that. There's really not. So, but how do we get people, you know, it's a big step. We can talk about, oh, I I can walk away from the money. We can talk about that a lot, but that's a big transition because money, it takes money to live. Mm -hmm. It does. And I'm not telling people that they should go be paupers. I don't think they should be poor in any way, shape or form. My goal is to help people find prosperity. And so if we go back to that red pill model, Level five is prosperity, and it's not just money. It's time, talent, and treasures. I think there's a whole lot of people who have money, but they don't have any time. And so I don't believe you can actually say you're prosperous if you don't actually have any time to enjoy the fruits of the labor. The other thing that I've found is when people don't get to use their talents and they're not able to see their talents make a difference, that they don't feel like they're prosperous. They don't feel like they're worthy or they're making a difference or an impact. And so we're looking for the combination of those three things when we talk about prosperity. And we want to impact and give out of the overflow 
right? If you've only got 48 hours with your kids a week and part of that's spent driving and a part of that is spent sleeping, you probably don't have abundance, an abundance of time to go out and do volunteer work in that 48 hours. Uh, I, I just think the resource allocation that comes from um, being intentional about your time and being intentional with how you uh, allocate the dollars that have been put into your hands is super valuable. And so we're not telling people to just walk away from the money. We're telling people, hey, take the enterprise that you've created, figure out how to make it run without you, then sell that to somebody else, take that cash that you create, and then use that to build a lifestyle or sustain the lifestyle that you want to build. And then let's go, since you don't need to work for the money anymore, let's go work on this other problem so that you can go truly serve the planet in the way that you were placed here to do. So it's, you know, it sounds so easy listening to you talk about <laughs> it. I mean, it really does. And it's, and I know that I honestly believe that you can only achieve what you believe you can. And mm -hmm. is that a trend? Is that a step? Because I've, I'm thinking of several people, clients, and, and I'm thinking, you know, there, there's a step that if they could just take that one little step and believe that, yeah, I could do this, th that would get them on the road. Do you recommend coaching? Do you recommend counseling? Do you recommend prayer? I mean, do you recommend, there's tons of things that work for different people. What do you recommend? Yeah, I think it's really hard to read the label when you're inside the jar. And maybe that's a weird Southern saying, right? But if you're in the jar and you're trying to read a label, all the words are backwards, and who knows if the thing that the label's written on is clear or uh, black and it's hard, you can't read it. So oftentimes you need somebody on the outside to read the label to you so you can see what the contents are of the um, experience. And so you being in the jar, you're the contents, you, you want to bring somebody else in to bring, give you an objective third party uh, opinion about what's going on and what you're qualified for and maybe the experiences you may not be able to connect the dots between why these things happen I think a lot of times as we're living life uh, we don't really get why the experiences are happening or why they're happening in the sequence that they're happening but somebody who comes in and I'm sure you've probably experienced this where somebody's telling you a story and you're like oh yeah well you remember when this thing happened and then this thing happened, those things led up to this thing happening. I, that in and of itself is probably one of the most valuable things I think anybody can do. And so, you know, counseling works for some people. Others don't have comfort in going to see a mental health professional. And so coaching feels better for them. I don't think it's a journey that you do on your own. Okay. I think that makes a lot of sense. Because it, we all know we can get lost really easily. So it, when people start to feel like, how is there a amount of time that people, you know, you'll start to feel like, you know, I'm bored. I, I could do this job in my sleep. I, you know, I want to do something different. Is there a, do people stay in that spot for like on the average, someone that suffers from a mental health disorder will will stay in that spot for 10 years before they'll go get help. That's a decade, man, 10 years. Yeah. And that's, to me, that's heartbreaking. 
And that's one of the reasons why the Brain Performance Center is here and, and other things as well. But do you find people are quick, they're slow? Do you have any stats to support that timeline? So I don't have stats, but I have an anecdote that I think will ring true for everybody out there. And it's really interesting that you mentioned prayer. You know, sometimes that turns people off, and I I don't really care about what higher power or lack of a higher power people believe in. But what I do believe is that everybody has an internal voice, and it talks to them in some way, shape, or form. But what I, I've seen over and over again is that voice whispers the first time and says, hey, you probably should be doing this, or you shouldn't be doing that. And depending on how in tune we are with the voice, we hear it clearly. Sometimes it's drowned out by the TV or the radio or the phone call or the kids running around, but it, we, don't, we might not hear the whisper. Then it's more of a conversational volume conversation where it's like, hey, you probably should be doing this or you shouldn't be doing that. And sometimes we'll ignore it. And then the next one is getting hit in the face. And it says, all right, you won't do it on your own accord. I'm going to make you do it. And so that's when the choice gets taken away of us staying in a space. And so what you described with the 10 years, I think the people who stay in a space for 10 years only move because they are forced to move. And I don't know anybody who likes doing things because they've been forced to do them. Everybody that I know likes to do things on their own accord, on their own timeline. The issue, though, is that we don't know how much time we have left. All that we know is every time we open our eyes on a new morning that we're closer to our last day here. And it's my mission to, one, help people, help end suffering, unnecessary suffering that people are going through. And I think we do that by imploring them to take action now. There's something pulling at your heartstrings. There's something that's nagging you that you know you need to do something about, but you're choosing not to do it. You're choosing not to make progress towards it. And you're waiting to be forced to do it when you know that if, when you're forced to do things, you don't enjoy it. So why not be proactive and start making progress towards the thing so that that transition isn't painful and you feel like you are not in control of it. That's good advice. That's really good advice. Build on that. <laughs> I, 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 I'll never forget um, being in a place in my life where I was like, man, I got to get more patient. And instead of actually studying patience and demonstrating it in my interactions with the people that were closest to me, I continue to be uh, a bit uh, unrealistic, and I expected people to do things that the standard that I had for myself when sometimes they didn't have the capacity. And so one Saturday morning, I go for a drive, and uh, I'm going to try to find a barbershop in the new town that I just moved into. And I, I didn't, this was before like Google Maps and other things. So I was just driving around, I was like, how hard could it be? Uh, we only have one stoplight here. And so needless to say, I drove around for a couple hours. I didn't find the, um, I didn't find the barbershop. But what I did find was a dump truck that crossed the center line and hit me head on. Oh. And after being trapped in the car for an hour and cut out with the jaws of life and medevac and ICU for a few days and the orthopedic floor for some other days, and then 
being placed in a wheelchair and being told I'm going to have to learn how to walk again after my bones heal and getting back to my home and realizing that I couldn't put myself in the shower and bathe myself and I was going to have difficulty changing my clothes for a while. I learned patience, right? It was forced on me because I didn't listen to the whisper and I didn't listen to the conversational voice. And that's just one really extreme example to let people know that it can be that severe, but it could also be, hey, somebody you really care about is no longer in your life because you chose not to make progress towards the thing. Um, that is, that's that a great story. I mean, that is yeah. a great, a, a beautiful story. And the, the last couple of minutes that we have, I'd really like to give you an opportunity for our listeners out there that would like to learn more about you or how do they find you? Could you share that information with them? Yeah, I think the place to go, the best place to go is the exitparadox.com. And there you can find out more about the stuff that we talked about here today and some of the issues that you have as you unravel from the thing that you've been doing and start figuring out what's next for you. Okay. And if they uh, wanted to reach out to you directly, is there a website? Are you on LinkedIn? Or do you just mainly focus off that website? So the website is the best place to find out more about what we're talking about. And then I'm a very active LinkedIn user. We're there every day. And so I'm Jerome Myers in Greensboro, North Carolina. Great, Jerome. I mean, this was really an interesting conversation for me because everybody, if you're looking ahead, everybody's thinking about what next. And so I'm as I listened to it, I was like, mm-hmm, okay. I've got some, I've learned some things. So for all of our listeners out there, if you're thinking about what's next, if you're thinking, I'm ready, I'm tired of doing this job. Well, you just heard Jerome talk about it. It's not that hard to do. You can do it. And if the time's not right, then wait. Because there's there's always a, a tomorrow. Thank you so much, Jerome. I appreciate your time and your energy today. It was my pleasure. Thank you. On behalf of Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, Toginet, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and thebrainperformancecenter.com. Thank you.